Welcome to the Thoughts on Selling Short Bites edition. Today, we're going to talk about sales productivity and the role that sales enablement practitioners play in strategizing, measuring, and improving sales productivity. What is sales productivity? I define it as the intersection of sales effectiveness, efficiency, and revenue. Speaking of revenue, I've carried a bag and I've run sales. I've sold complex solutions and consulting services to large companies, including Microsoft, HP, Xerox, Merck, J&J, Pfizer, and many others. I've planned and implemented sales enablement and go-to-mark activities at Oracle and Google. I've consulted with the leading tech companies to help them improve their sales productivity. Sales productivity is a backbone of a growing and profitable company, and my focus at the Accelera Group is complex enterprise selling environments, where account-based selling provides a very large bang for the buck. In a recent episode, number 15 of the Thoughts on Selling podcast, Ulrich Monberg, CEO of Arpedio, and I took a deep dive into account-based selling. I'd suggest you give that a listen. And what I want you to take away from this conversation is that sales productivity can be studied, measured, and improved over time. I'll cover specific evidence to look for, you know, metrics, and concrete actions to take. And by the way, Sometimes anecdotes can be pretty powerful too. I do want to caution you that sales enablement is a fairly expansive topic. It means different things to different people, in part because we as practitioners do so much for our primary stakeholders, the sales and other customer-facing people, and for other organizations, sales leadership, HR, product management, marketing. They constantly come to us and ask us to do stuff for them. At Oracle, we budgeted fully 20% of our time for those ad hoc requests. This gave us the space to focus on what we knew to be important and impactful and allowed us to be responsive to those ad hoc requests. I've also seen where those ad hoc requests may take up to 80% or more of a sales enablement group's time, and this is quite dilutive to their impact, not to mention group morale. I do want to talk about charters and why the sales enablement organization needs one but let's leave that for another short bites. First, let's talk about sales productivity and how sales enablement fits into it. Tom Barrio and I developed a formal sales productivity framework at IDC a while ago, and it's just as relevant today. The levers of sales productivity include talent acquisition and management, sales management, sales methodology, customer intelligence, and sales enablement. Sales enablement is one of those levers of sales productivity. Our original definition of sales enablement went something like this, putting the right information into the hands of the right sales professional at the right time and right place and format to move a sales opportunity forward. Oh, how I wish we had never published that definition. Sales enablement is about so much more. But uh, it wasn't my fault. The first sales enablement asset I had ever been able to find was published by John Patterson at National Cash Register in 87. It was a written primer, you know, content. It guided salespeople to talk about the process of selling cash registers, not the cash register itself. It was called the NCR primer. It instructed salespeople not only what to say, but what to do while saying it. Oh, and by the way, that was 1887. Almost exactly 100 years later, I built a sales enablement platform at Texas Instruments to share tribal knowledge with my fellow sales engineers. And later, I hung out with John Aiello, founder of Savo Group, and founders of a couple of other enablement platforms, and we focused on content. So Tom and I gravitated toward a content-centric view of enablement. That was wrong, and I apologize. 
Sales enablement is so much more than content. Content, as Hendrik Isabart, CEO of Showpad, and I recently discussed, is a central component of enablement. But it is not enablement. Enablement is much larger than content. Let's think for a minute about how people learn. You don't learn how to ride a bike by watching a YouTube video or reading Richard Ballantine's excellent book on cycling called Richard's Bicycle Book, and then hopping on a bike and riding away. You learn by watching, by trying, by falling, by being held up by your brother or mom or coach or neighbor. You get a feel for it. You do a bit more. Mr. Miyagi didn't show Daniel, the karate kid, a video of a fight. He asked him to wax the car. Wax on, wax off. And then he asked him to do other exercises, side to side, up and down. Then he helped Daniel to put it all together. You don't learn to sell by watching a video, passing a certification exam, and then calling a prospect. In fact, Stephanie Boyer's research at Rainmakers suggests that it takes 30 run-throughs for a salesperson to learn a basic skill. How many of us do 30 role plays with each of our salespeople in a workshop? We just don't have the time. Rainmakers AI-based sales coaching tool will allow you to load a specific rubric and develop specific needed selling skills at scale. Here's another point. People don't remember information until they put it into context. Eric Vaught, founder of MicroMentor in Cambridge, had a different approach. He asked attendees to bring real-world business problems to classes. They would then learn the use of spreadsheets with their data. They'd see how they can solve their own problems with this newfangled tool and then take those newfound skills back to their offices. When I rolled out persona-focused training at Oracle, I got the attendees to yell the response, jet ski, when I probed on why an executive might want to improve manufacturing quality, how this would create a compelling event, his MBO, and then eventually result in a cash payout, funding the jet ski. Their gut reaction reinforced the learnings of a central tenet of value selling that we need to align with the customer's view of results and language of value. It planted the learning so that when they engage with a new prospect, they are thinking about why this person might want to move from BAU. What's their personal motivation? Is that personal motivation time-bound? Speaking of personal motivation, at Oracle, we worked with a CIO at Dun & Bradstreet who had several million dollars worth of options riding on his success in implementing a new platform and customer environment. It took only a few minutes by a curious sales rep to find this nugget in a DNB 10K. It was public information. We knew he was committed and had a timeline. So we aligned with him, got into the boat with him, and let him know that we would help him achieve that goal. We had a couple of $10 million deals on the line. He had a couple of million dollars in incentive motivation on the line. We were in alignment. Let's talk about training. Most people think of sales enablement as onboarding or training. It's not. Onboarding is part of hiring, and hiring is part of talent management. Speaking of hiring, when I ran sales, I worked with Dave Curlin at Objective Management Group to study the skills and attributes of successful salespeople and sales managers in my organization. With that knowledge, we then built a profile to hire against. We identified what good looked like and looked for more of that. We didn't hire people that interviewed well or had fat Rolodexes. We hired people that were more likely to succeed statistically in my organization, and as a result, we grew revenue by 75% in 18 months. This data is available. Why don't more people leverage it? Here's a shout out to Objective Management Group. And training. Most people think that sales enablement is training, and training is sales enablement. Again, it's not. In enablement, we do some training, but we're not trainers, we're facilitators. And the key difference between training and facilitation is that trainers teach, they tell people things. And then people mostly forget those things. 
Sometimes they take a certification test and then they forget. Nothing against my trainer friends, by the way. Facilitation in this context is the art of helping people to learn. Facilitation literally means to make it easy. When I'm facilitating, I'm asking questions. I'm pulling information from people. I'm asking them to think about their world differently. When you come up with the answer, you own it. When I tell you the answer, you'll forget it. Sidebar. A few times when I was facilitating account planning sessions or opportunity development sessions at Oracle or Google, my salespeople would say, hey, Lee, you know the answer. Why don't you just tell us? In our sales productivity framework, Tom and I put training in the talent management category rather than enablement. That's not to say that sales enablement practitioners don't do training. We do. We do it because it's part of our responsibility to develop people in the same way that we participate in onboarding delivery or sales kickoff planning and delivery or first-line manager development. Those last two both fit under sales management, by the way, but we do it because sales enablement is the glue that sticks all of this together. Similarly, opportunity development and account planning slot under sales methodology. You do have an account planning methodology, right? But there's no head of sales methodology at most companies, and that's more of a theoretical perspective anyway. So while sales enablement shouldn't own account planning or the more expansive account-based selling, we plan it, we facilitate it, we evaluate the process, we frequently manage the participation of the customer in the process. Here's the takeaway. Tom and I were careful to talk about the levers of sales productivity, acknowledging that most organizations can't do everything all at once. Push down on one lever, another's going to come up. Focus on onboarding, account-based selling is going to take a back seat. And while that may be the obvious choice, you have lots of new salespeople coming on board, it may not be the choice that drives most revenue in the short or intermediate term. One of our clients at IDC, Mary Beth Walker, said that the framework provides a common vocabulary for multiple groups within her organization to discuss sales productivity. But be careful. Not everyone understands the levers or the metrics. A senior executive at Google celebrated that we had hit a million asset downloads out of Seismic. He couldn't provide any correlation between those asset downloads and sales productivity improvements. He was stuck on the shiny object of the number of downloads rather than the impact of the work we were doing. Sales enablement practitioners need real-time dashboards that show the correlation between activities and investments and specific results or outcomes. Savvy practitioners in larger organizations will develop hypotheses about causation and experiment with various approaches and interventions. I would not take a job in a sales enablement organization that didn't have this, or a sales enablement charter, by the way. But again, that's a topic for another short bite. I'd love to be able to point to an increase in new opportunities caused by an increase in first-line manager coaching, time. In fact, that's how I drove the 75% increase in revenue at the business services firm. I had a relatively experienced transaction-based sales organization that needed a lot of support moving to a value-selling approach. And I spent 50% of my time coaching not inspecting, coaching, and it paid off. If you would like to take a more thoughtful approach to sales productivity, consider the maturity of your organization across the multiple levers of talent acquisition and management, sales management, sales methodology, customer intelligence, and sales enablement. You may have a well-thought-out recruiting and onboarding strategy, but what do the salespeople or success managers or sales engineers do after they've been onboarded? How do they engage with prospects and customers? Yes, you want to do value selling, but do you have the sales methodology, the discovery skills, the information sources, the coaching to support value selling? Value selling is a mindset and needs support to drive customer co-creation, to drive greater customer engagement, more revenue. 
I've touched on a lot, and some of this is pretty complex. I've been deep into sales productivity for over 20 years. If you want help to evaluate and improve the sales productivity of your organization, please ask. Visit the Acelera Group website, A-C-E-L-E-R-A group.com, and send me a note. I look forward to working with you. And as a final note, speaking of co-creation, we don't always know what big problems our customers are solving. If you're calling on a pharma customer, you might know they're curing cancer or mitigating the effects of diabetes. If you're calling on Conduit, the Xerox BPO spinoff, you might know that they make the toll system work on the New York Thruway. But if your team is calling on that digital native startup, you might not know that they are going to significantly improve plant safety for large manufacturing companies. A little curiosity goes a long way. So let's work to drive increased curiosity, customer engagement, and co-creation. Thanks. And that's a wrap. Another great deep dive into the topic of sales performance improvement. I'd like to end a session with specific actions. So remember, please take one or two interesting tidbits from this conversation, talk them through with your team, and take one specific step to improve your sales productivity. And let me know how it goes. We'd love your feedback on the podcast, and I'd really appreciate it if you would recommend this podcast to one or two coworkers. You can find show notes, past podcasts, and a contact form at podcast.thoughtsonselling.com. Thanks for listening. Hey there. Welcome back to the Thoughts on Selling podcast. I'm your host, Lee Levitt. Through conversations with fellow sales leaders, sales enablement and operations executives, and experts in sales performance, together we explore how to improve enterprise sales productivity. This is the beginning of the conversation. I invite you to take one or two interesting tidbits from the conversation with our guest, talk them through with your team, and take one specific step to improve your sales productivity. Then let me know how it goes. I want to hear what you learned, the actions you took, and the results you generated. You can find show notes, past podcasts, and a contact form at podcast.thoughtsonselling.com. And here's an opportunity. If you feel that something is getting in your way of being a more successful salesperson or manager, engaging a coach might help you to achieve more of your sales and personal goals. I've coached individual salespeople, sales managers, and company principals over the years, helping them to break through to higher performance and personal satisfaction. I have a couple of individual coaching slots opening up in early 2024. To learn more about how coaching can help you to be even more successful, please visit accelerogroup.com meet to schedule an initial conversation. And be sure to ask about our no-risk guarantee. I look forward to talking to you. And now, on to the conversation.